It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. And welcome, everyone, to the Divas That Care Network. I'm your host, Amy McKenzie. Today's show, The Wow of Women, features the remarkable journeys of women whose powerful and extraordinary choices have positively impacted other people's lives. Our guest today, Sparkle Richards, is really something special. Before I bring her on, let me just take a moment and tell you a little bit about her. Um, Sparkles is uh, now living in Queens, New York, but she was raised in Trinidad, and we'll get to hear a little bit about that. She's also authored uh, four erotica novels, and we'll get a chance to touch on that, Dr. Nex Bacchanal, Mocha, Red, and Tula Bay, and that's uh, been received with great acclaim. Now, her passion, and in fact, she's working on another book, so she's quite prolific. Her passion is Pushing Boundaries, the name of the show that creates opportunities for young Trinidadian authors or whatever someone wants to do. Finding their voice is what it's all about. She's also an FIT graduate as well as an illustrator. Sparkle, it's really a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me on your program. I'm so excited to start talking to you about all of these wonderful things that you've um, introduced me with. (laughs) Well, you know, I, I want to I dig in a little bit. You have such an interesting life. If you don't mind, um, maybe let's, let's go back in time a little bit. Um, you know, for those of us that grew up here in America, we don't really know what it's like to grow up in Trinidad. Can you give us a little bit of a snapshot of what, what it was like for you? Well, I was really young, I think, when I started writing. So I think from the time I could hold a pencil, I had stories to tell. And I was always that that child, I guess, who was off in a corner working on something creative. I was always that person. And when you grow up on an island, you have so much inspiration around you. It's so beautiful all the time. The weather is amazing, 365 days a year. And for me, the culture that I come from is a highly creative culture as well because we have carnival. And so being in Trinidad and growing up in Trinidad was one of the most beautiful experiences for me in terms of of being in an environment that was constantly pushing creativity. Mm, I I have to agree. Nature is a great inspiration for me as well. And um, I look forward to visiting your country. I now have several friends there um, that um, have inspired me to come visit just from their photographs. It does look extraordinarily beautiful. So now what was it that inspired you to, you know, make it such a brave leap to leave your home country and make your way to America? And I believe you were pretty young. How old were you when you did that? Oh, I was 17. Um, I was in school and I was always drawing or writing something. Sometimes I would be in the back of the classroom or the front of the classroom not paying attention either way. And I remember one of my school friends was telling me, like, what are you going to do with us? Like, what is your ultimate plan of what happens after graduation? And I was like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to go to FIT. I'm going to get a degree in fashion design. And then I'm going to come back to Trinidad. I'm going to open my fashion business. And after the fashion business succeeds, I'm going to start putting out my novels. And this person was like, I have no idea what I'm even wearing to graduation. 
<laughs> how do you know all that you're going to do? But I was always kind of very um, focused on what the next moves were for me. I knew what I wanted to be from an early age, and that was my motivation for leaving the Caribbean. I didn't have um, opportunities for going to college for fashion design when I was 16, and I knew FIT did. You know, I, I'd spent several summers in New York before that, so I had seen FIT. I had known I wanted to go there, and um, I, I was really ready to do it regardless of how difficult it might have been to, to move at such a young age. How difficult was it? I felt like, you know, all of my friends who had graduated from high school were out partying and having their mm. first kiss and, you know, doing all their firsts. And I was back in college, far, far away from all the party life. And it turned out I was a very extensive nightlife and, I felt like I was missing out on that, and it was very hard. I remember, like, the first two years in college, I I was very depressed. I was sad all the time because I felt like I was missing out on other things. Um, You know, certainly I didn't date as much as I thought I would have in college because my directives and focus were on creative things, and I needed all my energy to be focused on, on what I was doing. And I remember going home on vacation because my uncle had passed away. And while I was home... Um, I just was like, why didn't I just stay here and do something else? It was it was very hard um, being pulled mm. away from everything that I knew and, and all my friends and, you know, my support system. That was really hard. You know, being in New York with my mother was helpful, but I had left my father, my elder brother, who I had spent most of, of my growing up with. So this pulling away was, was really difficult, and I struggled with that a lot. Good for you that you didn't let that stop you. You kept your commitment to yourself. I think that's probably one of the things that really stands out in your story to me. Uh, so I just want to really acknowledge you for that, uh, that level of perseverance. And um, I, I would venture to say that now you feel that was a good decision? Sometimes I do. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I, I wish that I had more balance, you know, because when people tell their wonderful stories of partying or fetting in Trinidad, and I feel a little left out because I was not there. But when I think about how beautiful my books are and how much, you know, love I've brought to my life from the books and from my readers and also from my art and just the opportunities that they have afforded me in life, like, I would never change a thing, you know. I I wouldn't want to go back in time and have different experiences because I would turn out to be a completely different person. And the person that I am now is the person that was able to do these things. So sometimes I I feel a little jealous, but I wouldn't change anything. (laughs) Right. Well, now what happened to the fashion design idea? Well, I went to fashion school, and I don't know if you know this, but back in, in the early 2000s, if you were a migrant from the Caribbean and you decided to go to fashion school, if you did not live in the United States for a period of years, you paid much more for college. So I paid mm. almost two times more than every other pupil in my class to graduate. Oh. That was very wow. difficult for my parents. So that meant I had to be very serious and committed and focused. And imagine in the second year I come to my mother and I say, but I want to go to Japan and study illustration. She was like, absolutely not. I have just sunk right. like loads of money into this fashion education for you. You'll finish this. And then if you want to do something afterward, you will. And sage advice, of course. But at that age, you're you know forming your own ideas. And for me, there was a lot of conflict because I was still figuring out who I was. You know, the hard thing about going to college for a lot of people is that you're not really fully formed mentally 
when you make these decisions about what you're going to invest your thousands of dollars or your parents' thousands of dollars or the government's thousands of dollars in. And then maybe five, ten years later, maybe not necessarily wanting to be a fashion designer. But I felt like, you know, my big caveat from all of it was that, you know, I am an artist and I have a degree in art. And wherever I go, I use certain parts of that art to create other things. You know, um, I did makeup for a number of years, and color theory was part of what I studied in college. So the makeup artistry and the fashion design, they kind of became entwined. And then for the books, I also do um, some fashion shows. Well, I shouldn't say fashion shows. That's not the right term. I do catalogs for the books. So before the books are released, especially with my last two novels, I did extensive photo shoots. I did the styling for the photo shoots so that the cover design and the story has imagery that is attached to it. And I find that the background in fashion helps with little things along the way. Well, see, isn't that beautiful how the circles do come around together? If you just stick to your path, even when it looks like something over there looks better, um, you know, that's a great story. And uh, I think it's, it's really it's inspiring. It's something that all of us can keep in mind when we feel like, oh, I don't know if this is right. Finish what you started and let it let your mother's good advice and then move on to the next thing. <laughs> that's that's terrific. All right, so now here you are and you you you've discovered that you're not going to go into fashion. How did you make the transition into becoming self-published? Well, my my mother was at one time uh and still is actually now an au pair. She takes care of some really amazing children. And for a while, while I was in college, that was my secondary thing, you know, making extra money, helping my mom out sometimes. I did that for quite a, many, quite a few years. And there were a lot of books that came out within those years about, you know, um, Upper West Side Life and, you know, a book about, you know, The Help came out. All these books that were coming out kind of seemed to have like little notes here and there that kind of hit me in the back of my brain because I was always a reader. I was always into writing. But um, in 2011, I decided to, to just go for it and work on one of my novels. And one of my friends was like, well, are, is your book going to be like this other book? Or is your book going to be like this person's book? And I was like, well, I don't want to be derivative. I want to tell my own story. And the truth is, you know, as an author from Trinidad living in New York, I had a very unique voice. And I thought about I, w- I would write about being a nanny or I would write about being a fashion student from the Caribbean. But when I sat down to write, something completely different came to me, and it was the story of Bacchanal, Mm. the next Bacchanal. And I don't know if you're familiar with the term Bacchanalia. I think it's a Mm -hmm. very Greek term. But in Trinidad, we use it kind of as an opposite terminology or similar terminology. It's used as um, drama, kind of, you know, that, that word is used as drama. And so I wanted to just tell the next big drama, the next big soap opera, and um, created these characters who were kind of pulled from different people who I just missed, you know. I grew up in Trinidad, and I missed all my friends, and I made these characters kind of mimic and mirror some of the people that I loved the most and missed the most. And um, when Bacchanal was born in 2011, that is when I realized, like, I need to get it published. But the opportunities for publishing were so hard to achieve and attain and I was crestfallen for a long time before someone told me, well, you can do it yourself. And I'd never heard of that before. I'd never heard of anyone self-publishing their work. And I was like, how is that even possible? And then I did some research and realized that I certainly could and would do it myself. 
And I remember going to work at Sephora at the time. No one knew I was writing a novel except for maybe a few friends in my innermost sanctum. (laughs) And at Sephora, carrying peanut butter and jelly because I wanted to save my money to print my books. And so when my books arrived in 2011, um, I remember feeling like I was, I was just, had given birth to something. Like I felt like I had had my very first child because I had had this deep love for my writing and Mm -hmm. my book. And um, I remember the paper was wet on the top of the books and I couldn't figure out why the paper was wet. And it was because I was crying so hard. I was so excited. I was so so connected to what I had made. And um, my mom comes home from work and she's like, what's all these boxes? And then I'm like, oh yeah, I never told you, but I I wrote a book. (laughs) And she's like, you're crazy. That's what you are. You're crazy. (laughs) So that was how my self-publishing began, you know. Wow. It was How did you get those it, books out? Because you really got well, tremendous following. Well, what happened was I'm really kind of a crazy person, like my mom says. I do have, like, really okay. good instincts, but I'm also extremely brave. But what people don't see is that because I'm so brave, there are long periods after and before that bravery when I'm terrified, right? Like, Shaking, piercing, can't think straight, playing (laughs) with my air, playing with my nails, like completely a nervous wreck. And then I present beautifully and everybody thinks, oh, my God, she's got it, until I walk off the stage and crumble to my knees. That is me. I I had always said it takes five strong minutes of complete bravery to do anything. If you could get through those five complete minutes of bravery, you can get through most anything. So, um, Okay, everybody write that down. i got to stop you. Hang on one sec, because that is just brilliant. Well, no, and really, because I can relate to that, and I bet most of our listeners can. You know, we think, oh, you're so courageous. I hear that all the time. No, I'm really not. I just do it anyway. But I never thought of, like, taking it down to the bite size, five-minute concept, which is beautiful, because it's true. That's really about all it takes is five minutes. So I just I wanted to highlight that, because it's really great advice. So everybody just clamp down for five minutes and get going with what you want to do, no matter how scared you are. It's wonderful sparkle. Yeah. Okay, continue. It's like getting a tooth pulled. You know, it's like kind of getting a tooth pulled or something. Like it's horrible and painful, but you do it and then it's done and you don't have to do it anymore. But um, right. I, I was really terrified to go forward and, and put my books out there. I mean, I'm self-published. Like, who was going to take me seriously was the thought in the back of my head. And I was like, if all my friends have loved my work and my writing for all these years, someone will take me seriously. So I pulled out the yellow pages from Trinidad that I had in New York City. I don't know why I had a huge yellow pages from Trinidad. That just sounds like me. <laughs> and I called every bookstore in Trinidad until I got an answer of who I could talk to. And wow. a few bookstores were like, absolutely not. You're unknown. You're young. You're green. You're self-published. Um, we don't take books from new authors. You know, you need to get this person to approve your work. And that went on for a while, and my spirit was knocked. And when I just felt like I was about to fall apart, I called Nigel Arcan booksellers in Trinidad. They were very new. I had never heard of them. They were just in the yellow pages. And um, the woman on the phone was really, she was very kind. And she was like, oh, you're new? What, what kind of books do you write? And she started to talk to me and get me kind of going. And that's like my favorite topic is, is my writing. You can't shut me up. And I was like, but who do I talk to <laughs> for getting them in store? She, she's like, oh, me. You could talk to me about getting them in store. And she's like, come on down, bring the wow. book to the store. I was like, well, I'm in New York. She goes, oh, that's interesting. So she goes, well, <laughs> when do you plan to be in Trinidad? And I was like, well, I, I didn't. 
plan to be in Trinidad, but if you need me to be in Trinidad, I'll be in Trinidad. And I'm like, what are you saying? You have no money, right? <laughs> so I right. told my mother at work, and I told her that I had this opportunity to meet with the people from the bookstore, and that maybe I would go home for carnival because it was right around the corner. It was like January when the book was finished, and February was the carnival. And she's like, oh, yeah, if you want to go home for carnival, I'll buy a ticket. I'm like, no, I actually am going home under the guise of carnival, but I'm really going home to get this opportunity, like to see if I can make it possible. And the day the book was supposed to go in store, a family friend was supposed to go back to England from having played mass for Carnival in Trinidad, and she got stranded in the airport. And I had to leave my plans to go in one direction of the country to go to the airport to help this family friend because she had no one to help her. And I remember feeling Mm. so despondent, like this is my one chance, I'm messing it up, it's so unprofessional to be late, you know what I mean? And then on the other side of it, the very human side, like what would I do if I was in a foreign country, the guests of other people, and they just let me stay in the airport with no support and no idea of what was going to happen next, right? So we took care of her. I I didn't go see about my book, and I'm upset and incensed and, you know, trying not to show it, but clearly very quiet, you know? And I called Mm. the bookstore, and the person who I was supposed to meet with had already left. And I was just wow. like, oh, my God, this is horrible. This is, this is the worst thing. I, I flew all the way to Trinidad for this. And um, I happened to call back, and I said, um, do you know where she left to? Do you know where she's going to? And he said, well, she lives in South Trinidad, which was, you know, at that time impossible, right? You can't just show up at someone's house to handle business. I said, well, do you know if she'd be in a city a little longer? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, sometimes when she leaves this one store, she goes to the store in Westmore, which is a little further east, sorry, a little further west than the store that she was at. And I said, do you think that she might be there? And they're like, yeah, let me call. And then call me back. I said, well, no, I'll just call the store and see if she's there. And they said, yeah, do that. So I call that store. I remember it just as plain as day. They're like, yeah, but she's about to leave. I said, don't let her leave. Whatever you have to do, (laughs) do not let her leave. (laughs) And so, you know, we're beating traffic to get down to West Mall, which is like at the time one of the most beautiful malls and still think it's one of the most beautiful malls in Trinidad. And I get there. I'm nicely dressed. I have high heels on. My boyfriend was with me at the time. And, you know, I walk into the store and I meet this woman and, and, you know, she was so excited to see me. But she thought that my book was a story, like a concept, like not something fully fleshed out. So when I showed her the book, the actual finished copy, she was like, are you, you're done? I was like, I've been done. When I called you, I was done. And she was like, most people call and they say that they want to do this, but they're not ready. I was like, well, I'm ready. (laughs) I came all the time, right? (laughs) And she goes, okay, well, we'll get your book in store in April. I was like, April? Wow. She's like, yes, we'll have to finalize what date will we get your, store in, your book in April. And I remember the moment when I wanted to reach over and dive on this woman and had to control myself and act all cool. <laughs> I was like, oh, that, that sounds doable. That sounds great. You know, I could do April, like if I had other things to do. <laughs> and um, <laughs> my boyfriend and I had walked out of the store at that time, and he grabbed me, and, you know, he was so excited for me. And I didn't, like, let it sink in until I hit the parking lot, and then I was a mess. I was just breaked down crying. It was, like, a long journey to that moment. Oh. I was 23 years old with my first novel, my first baby, and um, I was going to be in stores, in one of the biggest bookstores in the country, newer bookstores, you know, very fresh, cutting edge. And um, I was extremely excited. So that was really how I got my book in stores. Because everybody else said no. You made it and, happen. And they said yes. <laughs> Yes, certainly. I forced it to happen. I willed it to happen. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, so your five minutes 
had to be on repeat for quite a while. <laughs> so let's, we're going to add that I mean, to our, let's, it, let's write this down, <laughs> good advice. It's not a one-time deal. <laughs> I, was, I was juggling that five minutes very high in the air. You know, trying not to be that person. It's like when you meet your favorite celebrity and you're trying not to be the person who tells them, I've watched all your work, I think you're amazing, I'll kiss you all over your face. Like you have to try and control the impulse to scare people away from you when you're so excited. <laughs> and you yes. know, we did an interview in Trinidad, a, a radio interview. It was my first time ever being interviewed about anything. And I remember the analysis as to what date will the book be in store? And I was like, April 26th. And she goes, okay, great. And I get in the car. My brother goes, I didn't know the book was going to be in store on April 26th. And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> I can't say I have no idea. You know what I mean? And then my husband goes, you know, April 26th is my birthday. And I'm like, oh, well, he's my husband now. But he was my boyfriend then. And he goes, you know, April 26th is my birthday. I was like, well, I hope it is in stores by your birthday. <laughs> because if not, I just lied on the national radio. But that was what happened, you know, when it's new. And, you know, they ask you this question. You can't just say, I have no idea, but stay tuned, you know. So I just blew it out. And my books actually went in store on April 17th. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's great. Well, at least it was there when they went looking for it. It was perfect. <laughs> pretty much, pretty well, much. congratulations. That's so inspiring. Um, and I Thank And you. I love that. Yep, you applied your five-minute technique for a multitude of phone calls, calling cold yeah. uh, to bookstores, being mm-hmm. told no over and over and over again. It reminds me of the Abe Lincoln story, right, how many times he ran for president. Um, you know, not giving mm-hmm. up. No matter what anyone mm-hmm. says to you, you hold the vision and you keep going. And each time you've got to script the courage, maybe even a little more courage than the last time because the first time you didn't have a no yet. So now you're doing it in the face of adversity as well um, and not falling mm-hmm. prey to the self, you know, debilitating talk that's always there. And you push through mm-hmm. all of that. So my hat's off to you. That's really, really something, Sparkles. Now let me ask Thank you another you so question much. here. Absolutely. Um, I want to know, you know, what is it that for you um, – you know, why do you write, it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, you write specifically, I mean, it's, I'm sure everyone's welcome to read it, but that there is a, a motive, a passion to write specifically for a Trinidadian audience. Is that right? And if so, why? You know, being from Trinidad and being from Laventil, which is just outside the, the outskirts of the city, I didn't see a lot of people like myself. You know, I didn't see a lot of young female authors. In fact, I don't think I could think of one in my general circle. My next door mm-hmm. neighbor, her, her daughter was a writer for a very important national paper. And I always looked up to her because she was doing the one thing that I hoped someday to do, which was to write. But I didn't want to be a, a journalist in that sense. I wanted to be a real serious fiction writer. And, you know, I kind of held on to lots of, of the Caribbean Greeks, you know, V.S. Nightfall, who was Trinidadian, lived in Britain for a long time, lived in the U.K., and, you know, um, Loveless, and um, also read mm-hmm. all of this Caribbean mm-hmm. literature for school and, and also a lot of British literature for school. And I felt like I wanted to tell our story, and not our story from a generation gone by or two generations before, but the story of the people who I knew in our own time, because all the books I had read was about a Trinidad that I didn't know. Mm. And, you know, going into the direction of, of writing 
for my people, for my, my age group, for us, I realized that there were so many other stories that could be told about our time on the island, but because I was removed from the island, it was harder to do because I'm not really experiencing everything at the same time as everyone else. I'm getting little pieces and snapshots, and I'm holding on to this the way that you would hold on to the memories of somebody you were in love with because Trinidad was this, this great love of mine that I wasn't always mm. in. I was in New York. So, like, part of the writing was, being home inside myself, holding on to Trinidad inside myself, and then also kind of becoming a mirror to Trinidad of itself, of how beautiful our language is, how beautiful our culture is, you know, how beautiful we are as a people, because that was not something that I saw much of in my upbringing and in, in the, the writing that was around me. Um, it was just very different from what my experiences were. So I wanted to just create wow. that for someone else. That's wonderful, and I I love that that idea of it, that it brings you home inside yourself. Um, this act of living inside the the memory, the the experience that you had, that you're calling into the present, and then transferring that mm-hmm. to the page. Um, true artistry is that, um, and I also love that you. you know I can't wait to see. I haven't seen the catalog aspect, but that mm-hmm. seems to me is a very mm-hmm. unique and interesting way to combine your talents um, and not something that's, mm-hmm. um, I think, t- typically done. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure that uh, Trinidadians are quite grateful for your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, you know, it makes me want to ask one more question. I know we're getting short on time, but just quickly, um, do you have any plans to perhaps, you know, teach or do a master class for some of the younger people? Um, in Trinidad, I think that'd be wonderful mm-hmm. for them to get a book tour, anything along those lines, back in Trinidad. Um, I've been very lucky over the last, you know, almost ten years now of my career for writing that I have had opportunities to be on radio. I've had opportunities to be on television, and I've been in the press. And what I always say in Trinidad, especially because I haven't, I mean, this is for me groundbreaking being with with you and having this opportunity on your podcast. In Trinidad, I've, I've done so much in terms of my voice and communicating what I write about, but I'm still trying to get to the top of that, you know. I'm still mm-hmm. considered relatively new to the genre, but I've always said, you know, I, I would be so willing to, to do workshops, to do classes, to give my knowledge, whatever knowledge that may be, and, and help young women, you know. Eventually, the plan is to have a publishing company in Trinidad. That is my ultimate goal. When oh. I get to the part of my career where I'm self-sufficient, I want to actually create yeah real and lasting change but I can't do that from where I am because I'm still trying to eat <laughs> so right. when I get to that part of, of my career the plan is to really start to develop different narratives in the Caribbean audience and especially the Trinidad and Tobago audience because I do feel like if you know these things need they need love and affection there's so many people who are just as talented as me who may not necessarily have the opportunity to be in the United States or to self-publish or even be able to afford it um, it gets costly even yeah. with doing the catalog. Like, it's such a unique thing, but there's many moving parts that people don't see that creates these books and loads of people who have been involved in helping and nurturing me as a writer to allow me to do these things. So the mission is, is eventually to, to do the same for me, to, sorry, for someone else that was done for me, and also to help people uh, and pay it forward, all of the things that have been given to me that I've been blessed with. That's beautiful. I love that. I'm all about paying it forward. That's just beautiful. So let our listeners know how they can pay it forward. How can people support you? Now, one thing I'll mention, um, 
when they, you know, when people visit um, your show, uh, Wow of Women, uh, we're on the Divas of Care Network, and through that network we do have an online bookstore. So people will easily be able to find your books just by listening to your show and looking at your page. We'll have the links there uh, for people. And uh, Is there anything else that people can do, or is there any other outlets where they can find books online? Um, my very first book, The Next Bacchanal, is available on Amazon, Kindle, and all of those e-platforms, and it is the least expensive of my books, and because I'm doing everything myself. When you're self-published, you pay for everything, so it does get to be more expensive, but when you do e-books, it's a lot less. So if somebody wants to just support the book and doesn't necessarily have the means, I know it's been a tough year for a lot of people, they can go over to um, Kindle or any of the e-book readers, and they can down- download my first book, The Next Bacchanal. And then my other books, Mocha, Red, and Total Bay, which is the newest one, are available on my website, which is trinirotica.com. And, of course, the link will be um, attached to your podcast. Those are the, the best ways to support a young writer. But also, you know, just be open. You know, we all have different voices. And sometimes people feel that because I'm a Trinidadian author that there's absolutely nothing that they can take from this. But the human condition is a very broad one. And you can gain so much knowledge from anyone. And so I would say, you know, anybody who's interested can definitely reach out and encourage, you know, other people to reach out and take a chance on a different point of view. You might be surprised at how much that connects with your own. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. This was wonderful hearing your story. Thank you for sharing so openly, and we just really appreciate you. I encourage everyone to um, support this wonderful young author. Keep up the great work, Sparkles. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It was amazing. Great. Well, in closing, I want to thank Sparkles Richards, all of our listeners, and our producer, the founder of the Divas That Care Network, Candace Gish. She defines the word diva to mean a courageously self-assured woman. Well, you sure met one today. The Divas of Care Network offers women of all walks a platform for sharing their voice in the world. We invite you to join us. Visit divasofcare.com to hear more inspiring stories and perhaps add your voice to the conversation. Signing off for now. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on divasthatcare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.